0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. This week particularly, I've been really stirred out about stirred up by what I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to and I was preparing. And, uh, you know, I'm going to put myself out there. This message today could possibly be one of the most important messages you hear this year. And uh, I'm not communicating with Central or North. I almost kind of stepped in and said, I'm going to do that right across the board. But uh, Pastor Scott was already prepared for Central and North. And so I just feel like maybe God wanted us to hear it down South. And uh, again, there may be some quiet moments. But as we've been looking at in this series, Roadblocks to Faith, that I think faith is one of the most quoted or talked about subjects in Christendom. And yet, my observation is many of us never engage a life of faith. We may think we do, but we don't fully understand what potential can be accessed when we live faith God's way. And one of the verses is Hebrews 11 verse 6 that says quite clearly, without faith, if faith is not a part of our Christian walk, we bring very little pleasure to God. Because like that Father's heart is looking at us and saying, I gave you faith. It's the linkage to the potential of my promise. So you can come into church seriously and kind of enjoy the safety of the surrounding and the wonder of worship. But if we don't go out and engage in faith into our lives and our families, then it's like the Father in heaven is looking, kind of going, you don't understand. There could be so much more. And the enemy is wanting to use, come on, fear and fatigue and failure to cause us to hold back and shrink back. But I pray that this year, with this focus of faith, that all of us are going to go, you know what? We're going to start to entertain a life where we're going to get rid of the blockages that are a part of faith. We're going to understand what they are. If you haven't been in church the last couple of weeks, then please go online, pick up the messages Because this theme is we are all under construction and we need to remove the roadblocks. And the first roadblock we looked at was distrust. So easy to go, well, I'm not sure that God's going to do that. And yet God is a God that desires we would understand the magnitude of his power. We looked at Mark chapter 11 where Jesus saw this fig tree and he was hungry and he just said to the fig tree, if you remember it, you know, it's kind of like, we're going to go over there, boys. He was with the disciples and see if there were any figs. Yet the Bible says it was not the season for figs. And again, he curses the fig tree so much so that in one twenty-four or less than 24-hour period, the disciples walk past the fig tree and it's completely withered. So it wasn't just like, you, you're going to have a bad future. It's like, you are not doing what you should be doing. And it's kind of like he was kind of unfair, it seemed, Jesus, because he was allowing his own hunger to kind of cause them to, it almost feels like, react to the fig tree, and yet the fig tree wasn't created to bear figs in that season. But as we looked at it, we realized that possibly Jesus was underlying a principle that sometimes we're not in the season of seeing or even feeling like the supernatural could come our way, And Jesus finishes that whole story with this incredible verse in 22 where Jesus answered and said to the boys, this is all about you having faith in God. It's not like, well, I believe there is a God. No, do you have faith or are you allowing the enemy to cause you to question God like the Garden of Eden? And faith empowers all of us when Jesus is given access to our past, our present, and our future. And I believe that God is wanting us to realize, hey, let's start trusting the God that created the universe. Last week, we looked at how another roadblock of faith is disengagement. How that engagement understands God is the source, but we unlock the supply. You can say, well, God spoke to me in a prophetic word. Read the prophetic word. No prophetic word comes without a responsibility of you to walk that out. So you could have all of the prophetic words, but God wants you to engage. Great message, Pastor. That's cool, but let's go away going, what was God saying to me about that? Because if I don't engage it, if I don't keep stepping into it, 29 years here at Life, it's kind of like we're always doing the impossible because we hear God saying, would you walk that way? And again, you know, I think I might imagine that we are in a legacy miracle. And I would say to everybody in the Life family, all of us should be doing something. If God's calling our church to do it, you say, well, I can't do it. Well, God could take you to a place where you would realize it's not your own strength of arm that's going to cause you to bring a financial security to your family and into the future. It's actually when you go, I'm going to take what God is saying and I'm going to engage my part with it. Come on, if you engage in the message, you're going to get more out of it. That's why I can't get up and just talk something. I'm engaged in this. So distrust. Distrust disengagement here's the third roadblock that we're going to finish the series on and it's pretty challenging it's called disobedience whoa look at the person next to you and just say to them if you want to walk out now I'll follow you (laughs) come on disobedience how many have heard a message recently on disobedience it's kind of like that's pretty harsh I looked up the word just in the dictionary this week. Disobedience is the failure or refusal to obey what is in authority. So when the authority says that this is the way you need to play the game, here are the boundaries or the rules of the game. Disobedience comes with a penalty. I'll never forget years ago watching the Olympics quite a few years ago, and it was the 50-kilometer walk run. You say, what's the walk run? The walk run is you're not allowed to run, but you walk as fast as you can walk. And it looks crazy because you've got all of these dudes. The men's is a 50K race. Can you imagine walking as fast as you can? And here are the rules is you have to walk. It becomes a run when your heel doesn't touch the ground. So these guys are going like this. Have you ever seen it? Some of you are taking photos right now. <laughs> After doing that for 1K or 10K, they have little people that come out and they show a card when somebody now is so in the momentum of movement that they're failing to put their heel on the ground, they get free warnings, and then they're disqualified. And I remember one who had been training, I think it was for eight years, they, they spoke about this guy's story and how he was winning it right up until he came into the last lap of the stadium. And he had had two warning cards and just as he entered the stadium, he was disqualified. Not because he wasn't giving everything to it, but because he wasn't living the rules of engagement. And that sense of disobedience is so... Much And I I think we lose sight in the church that there are boundaries to blessings. It's like, well, I'm writing out the promises of God. Great, but those promises have a responsibility. Did you realize that life south would not be what it is today if Pastor Cam and Pastor Coral didn't go, God, you're asking us to do this? Yes. Did you realize that You wouldn't have people looking after the cars while you're in the service unless people didn't say yes. Yes. Did you realize that somebody is committed to making you good coffee? Might not get it right all the time, but they said yes. Come on, can you realize as you look back over your life that there is an outflow of what God can do if we could only see what could be on the other side of our obedience? So this isn't a negative message, it's just like, Are you being obedient? Because if we don't live obedient, imagine if Ned was not obedient to listening to the voice of God, which was the catalyst to starting our, again, soup kitchens. The thousands of people today that have a place where they find security and value would not be taking place. Come on, those homes that are receiving Christmas boxes, more than 30,000 this year. Somebody heard from God, would you do it? Well, how could we ever do that? Well, if God's asking us, I'm going to trust Him, not distrust Him, I'm going to engage, not disengage, but I'm also going to be obedient when God says, "Hey, this is why you're here. this is what I've called you to do, and you've got to learn a new level of obedience. Even Jesus, Hebrews 5:8, though He was the Son, think about this, this is Jesus, yet He learned obedience. He learned obedience. So therefore, none of us, myself included, are at this point where we are at the end of the road. Oh, I've got it all working. No, he learned obedience. How? Through the things that he suffered. So in other words, because of what he went through, he began to realize there's a better way. There is this way of obedience. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. It's like, well, my Christian life, Paul, if I'm really honest, isn't going anywhere. And it's like, are you trusting or distrusting? Are you engaged or disengaged? Are you obedient? Yeah, but when I felt like God say that to me, we could never do that, so we never did it. Well, that's called disobedience. It's going to get really quiet. I think disobedience looks like delayed obedience. Oh, we'll do it when? No, 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 you were asked to do it now. And God is kind of stirring us up and saying, this is not to put a heavy on us. This is to unlock the blessing of God, that faith would be empowered to take us to new levels. And that there is a way that was opened up. Hear it because of the obedience of Christ. 29 years ago, it wasn't kosher for Marie and I to leave a country with kids, three of them under five. No security. But when you God said, would you do it? It's like, okay. Okay. Let me give you some thoughts, all right? Some stuff to take home. These roadblocks to faith. First thought is that disobedience, that's what we're talking about, follows unresolved disappointment. We will all go through disappointment in our humanity. And you see, when you don't deal with that disappointment, confusion and distrust are going to grow in who you are. And if we don't process disappointment, we are going to continue personally to carry what we got disappointed in. I travel globally. I haven't done much this year, of course. But I meet pastors who are ministering out of disappointment. Because every time you come back, they're still talking about what happened back there. That wasn't fair. And I go, you just got to get over it. You're going to process what The enemy tried to use to disqualify faith in your life. And you're going to begin to say, I'm not going to give in to disappointment. I'm going to say, okay, God, help me through the disappointment. When my sister and brother-in-law gave birth to their first and only child, Matthew, many years ago. Some of you may have heard the story. And I got the call in Sydney how he wasn't like every other baby. He had Cornelius syndrome said, so, well, what's that? Well, he, he actually doesn't even look like other children. He's very disfigured and disformed. I still remember coming to see Matthew for the first time. I was in shock. And that little boy, they said, well, babies with Cornelius syndrome only really last to five. And I thought, wow. Well, Matt went on to live for 26 years. But they were the hardest 26 years you could ever imagine because he never said a word. He never said, I love you. He couldn't keep food down. He self-mutilated his whole life. He had to be restrained, and yet his parents chose to keep him in the home and do everything they could for him. And I remember going, God, I don't get it. The, the, the parents had gone through enough, and why would, why, well, Max, Matt, but it's like Max shouldn't be like this. I remember when he had a a, a flu one time and we were leaving New Zealand to go back to Australia and I was at the airport and Matt was there in his mum's arms and I looked around just to say goodbye and he had a cold, Matt had a cold and I saw this big tear in his eye. And I'd been questioning God, I just don't understand it, God. But it was just like in that moment, I'll never forget it because all of my focus looked at the tear in his eye and I didn't see his challenges. I saw him in his eternal state. And so when the disappointments come my way here on my life, I remember Matt. Because like Jesus, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And some of you are here today and God's saying to you, I want you to begin to live a life of faith, but you're going to have to process your disappointments. You're going to have to ask God to give you the ability to see past The things that have held you where you are. By the way, let me put it like this. Never position the human outcome ahead of the divine purpose. Oh, come on. That's worth coming to church for. Never allow what you can't understand, humanly speaking, to take center stage rather than, well, what will God do through this? And we all go through challenges. We speak a bit about that. And and God is going to use those challenges, and God is looking for us to be obedient, basically learn to have supernatural binoculars that are going to take us into eternity. And so we're going to focus on what God is going to use for that. You know, how do you deal with premature death? How how do you deal with a disease that restricts you all the time? How, How do you deal with becoming a quadriplegic? How do you deal with things that happen? You can't deal with it unless you engage in the bigger picture, and unless you begin to see what God can use that to be. And you know, I think it was Pastor Coral on Sunday night, out of Isaiah forty, he says, "Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He's the God that never faints nor does He weary. He causes, come on, us to have an understanding." That is unsearchable. It's kind of like, I'm challenging you today. you Are going to keep carrying the disappointment? Because it's going to cause you to live arm's length to faith, and therefore the promises of God will just be a list on the wall, but not a reality. It's kind of like God is saying, I want you to learn to be obedient. Just do what you're called to do. Our obedience, by the way, connects us to the promises of God. Think about this, Moses. Good old Moses. I reckon he gets a hard rap. Because he, he did an amazing job. I mean, he, he had a call from heaven and he said, oh, I'll be obedient. Man, I'm, I'm going to stand up for the things of the kingdom. He just didn't do it the way God wanted him to do it. And here he is. He's just spent 40 years in the wilderness on his own. Now he's 40 years again in the wilderness, leading 3 million people to the promised land. And if you've been a pastor for any length of time, you know. That's not an easy job. So he's in that place, and uh, he, he's kind of frustrated with the people. And I don't think we should be hard on Moses, because if you ever go away, say, camping over Christmas with friends, how many know it only takes two weeks, and you want to get out of there? It's like, man, they're nice unless you're doing everything with them. Come on. <laughs> Some of you are saying, yes. Like that in my marriage, I suppose. It's like, it's my kids, they grow up, and it's like, what the flip did we raise? What did we do wrong? Anyway, long story short, so Moses, the leader of God, amazing what he does. And then they're at the last leg of the journey. Canaan is just in front of them. And God says, because the people are murmuring again, saying, we need water, and so God says, In Numbers 20, Moses will take your rod and take your brother Aaron and gather the congregation. I want you to speak to the rock, and it's going to yield water. It's going to bring water for them out of the rock. Listen to verse 10. Moses and Aaron gathered and assembled together before the rock, and he said to them, hear now, you rebels, you stinking rebels, must we once again after 40 years, Come on, how many have been there? Bring water for you out of the rock. So Moses lifted up his rod and he struck the rock, uh, rock twice with the rod and water came out. And the congregation of the animals drunk. Listen to this. So everything seems to be on track. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me. Because God said, speak to it. Because you did not believe me. Why did they not do it in obedience? Because of the frustration of the people around them. To hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, you will not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This is where it's going to get quiet. You see you can be very disappointed with what's happening around you, what's been before you. And when God says, I want you to speak, and you go, stuff that, I'm striking it. Because you did not. Obedience. I think sometimes we're blaming the devil for stuff that we need to take some responsibility for. See, that's why I'm saying, I'm praying that today is going to be a shifting message, because God wants you and I to realize that, hey, if we allow those unresolved disappointments to stay with us, we will end up in disobedience. I'm telling you, God can pick you up wherever you are, but you can forfeit. Moses never got You imagine, you've trained your whole life for something. And one day, I'm going to be at the Olympics, and it's the night before. And all of your life, it would seem, is lost. And God says, no, because of your disobedience. God knows that eternity is still to bring the completion of Moses' life, and he'll see things differently there. But I think we want to teach a gospel today that, hey, it's okay if you just do it your way. All right. This is surgery this morning. You do it. No, it's God's way. God is God. You're not God. I'm not God. It's kind of like, don't allow your disappointments to lead you to a place of disobedience. Second thought is, we're talking about these roadblocks of faith how that disobedience also robs our future. So again, you can be in the rhythm of turning up to church, but God has been speaking to you about something and you're going, yeah, nah. (laughs) Come on, if you're a good parent, you you are going to put things to your children. You're going to talk rationally, not in reaction. You're going to go, now, hey, listen, it's time to lift your response and your obedience. So if you do that, you'll get this. Bad parenting is, well, they didn't do it, but I love them anyway, I'll give it to them. That might not be kosher, but that's good parenting and good teaching this morning. Because if you don't cause... Your children to understand there is a responsibility of obedience. Why would they be entrusted with more? And I think God is looking at all of us and going, I want to give you so much more. I want to give the next level. I want to give a new authority in a nation. I want to give a new breakthrough in a society that's been hamstrung by poverty. I want you to be in that place. But faith is seen in uncompromised obedience. That's what faith is. It's like, well, I'm going to stay in there again. We mentioned it last week or a few weeks ago. James writes, use your heads. Don't suppose that you can uh, cut faith and works in two. Because what will you end up with? You'll end up with a corpse. And I think sometimes we think, well, we just come to another older call, and God says, yeah, okay, the older call is cool, because you're being reminded I'm for you, I'm with you, your past will not define you. But now as you walk out of the room, are you going to be obedient? Are you going to take hold of what I've called you to do? Even King Saul would be a great example because, you see, he was called by God to be the king, and yet he drifted away. And so he compromises. And Samuel comes to him in verse 17 of Samuel, 1 Samuel 15. He says, Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, Were you not the head of the tribes and did not the Lord appoint you as king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Literally, don't just kill them, remove everything from their armies. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil? You did evil in the sight of the Lord. You know, Saul makes the excuses. Yeah, but you don't understand the world I live in. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I didn't take any spoils. Some of the army took spoils. No, you were the king. Yeah. I asked you to be obedient. So Samuel said to him, verse 22, Has, has the Lord a, as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as his delight is in obeying the voice of the Lord? Hey, remember to be obedient is better than sacrifice. Okay, I'm going there today. Life's South, If you're a Christian, mature Christian, that's why, again, TC was saying, we don't take up offerings in containers. Because if you have to be coerced into it, you haven't understood that God says, I want to step into your financial future. I want to help you out when you can't help yourself out, but you need to honor me with what is mine. It's a test. Be obedient. Yeah, but I can't afford to do it, so I'm distrusting God. Distrust leads to disengagement. Disengagement leads to disobedience. And then we wonder why we're not seeing what is promised, and we're moved away from seeing the wonder of the supernatural take place. It goes on and says rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is iniquity, and it's even idolatry. And when you understand that actually there are consequences to disobedience, that disobedience follows unresolved disappointment, but it also robs our future. Come on, let's be people that are going, I'm going to be obedient. When God says, do it, I'm going to do it. We're in. We're going to be different to other people. We're not allowing what they do or don't do to determine who we are. I don't want to end up like a saw. I don't want to end up like Moses missing out on the wonder of the whole journey, but being disqualified because of disobedience. Come on, team, come and join me, Steph. The third one would be this, that roadblocks to faith is this, that disobedience disconnects us from supernatural supply. Come on, everyone say supernatural supply. Man, you imagine what it would be like no matter how well you did or didn't do at school. No matter what your past looked no matter what, generational curses were put over you. No matter what, you were contained by in life. God, you know what? I've begun to look at my life and that's supernatural. You're in a building that's supernatural. You're a part of a church that's supernatural. You, and I'm crying out saying, God, we need more of the supernatural. And God says, then I need more of faith. I need more of trust. I need more of engagement. I need more of obedience. I need you to remove the roadblocks because, you see, I'm ready. I'm primed. I didn't send Jesus to the cross, Father saying, so that you would just get saved. I I sent him to the cross so you could walk into the supernatural, so that you could literally see God begin to breathe a wind from heaven and begin to change things that are around you. You see, and the thing is, we've got heart blockages. The roadblocks are blockages of the heart and they're restricting the flow of blood. And when that flow of blood is restricted, even in the natural, then you start to breathe shallow. And you can't climb mountains and you can't see things from a different perspective. But God is calling an army of people that are going, you know what? If God says it, we're going to be obedient. I don't want to end up not entering the promised land. I I don't want to lose. Saul lost everything because he just became too big in his own eyes and was disobedient, the supernatural. You go, what have we learned about that over the last few years? I think we've learned that from Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says in Genesis 22, and this is for me a lifelong lesson now, came to pass after all of the hardship they'd been through. That God came and tested Abraham, and he said, I'm asking you in South this morning as we come to the close of another year, I'm testing you. Hey, Paul, hey, Sue, hey, Cam, hey, John, hey, Lucy, hey. And Abraham, when he heard his name, says, Here I am. Here I am. I'm ready. Here I am at the close of a year I never expected. Here I am. You know that God says to Abraham, I want your most precious thing. I would argue, I may not be right, but I think he looked at Isaac more precious than Sarah. I think if you read about it, that's the kind of feeling you get. God says, I want that. (laughs) Why would you want me to sacrifice that? But it took my whole year to believe that miracle to come, and yet you want that. That's not fair, God. Don't distrust me. Don't disengage. Don't disobey. And listen to Abraham's response. Verse 9. So they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar, placed the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Listen, in the moment of the greatest challenge, here I am. Here I am. When the unexpected happens, here I am. Facing the loss of the one I love the most, here I am. And then God calls to him and says, don't lay your hand on your lad, for now I know that you fear God. Verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself, I said, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you've done this thing. Hey, listen, not because you believe this thing. Because you've done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I'll bless you, multiplying, I'll multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. Because of your obedience, in South Auckland, in the year 2020, there will be a group of people that will be inspired, that their blessing is because of someone else's obedience. And your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the gate of the enemies. They'll pull down the enemy's stronghold in, the sea, in their seed, and your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. Wouldn't it be cool to live a life where you have your ups and your downs, but you know there is a supernatural supply that's going to have a generational echo? Come on, somebody thank God for that. (laughs) Believe God for that. And as I normally do, I suppose, I'm not preaching as a preacher. I'm I'm just wanting to teach you as a father in the faith that disobedience disconnects you from supernatural supply. Because it's by faith that we gain access into the promises of God. So for all of us, I, I would... Want to say to you this, this end of the year, it would be cool to take some time and go, So, Father, what are you asking from me? What are you wanting me to do? And I think God's going to say, I've already told you, remember? And God's saying, I want you to do that. And by the way, when He sees obedience, He's going to give you more to do. And we shouldn't fear that because the more to do is going to be more blessing to generations to come. And here we are, no matter what we've been in, no matter what our past looks like, as we've said, we're learning we can remove the roadblocks of faith. And I'm just asking you to be obedient. People come at me, social media, all sorts of stuff. say, I don't believe what you believe. I say, well, that's cool. You just got to do what you believe. But as for me, I'm going to be obedient to God's word. And listen, stop making excuses because every time you make an excuse, you're forfeiting your future. You're forfeiting supernatural supply. And you are becoming a carrier of the disappointments that the enemy brought to destroy a life of faith. And we're going to stand up and say, that's not me. And I want to walk out of this year saying, okay, God, take me on a journey. Remember, Jesus learned obedience. So this isn't to be a heavy message. This is to be a catalytic message. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.